0: Hello, friends. Welcome to another episode of Tell Us a Good Story. Today, we have a great conversation for you. We talked to Derek Mains, who is the president of Fat Scooters out in Phoenix, Arizona. Derek will be starring in a new reality TV show called Riding Fat that will stream on the Crackle Network starting on July
1: 15th. Oh, my gosh. These scooters are so freaking cool. They're so much fun. I want to buy one for our entire family. This company builds these amazing, customized electric scooters for everyone from the Hollywood elite and top athletes to replacing golf carts at over a 100 golf courses out west.
0: And his story, stuff about selling scooters to Bill Murray and Blake Shelton was pretty interesting to hear. Yep. However... My favorite thing is when Derek talks about what actually makes people successful. He said something that billionaires and Ivy League grads actually teach their children. Just incredible.
1: It's so much fun. Can't wait for you guys to hear this one. I'm Kevin. And I'm Stephanie. And
0: during our marriage, we have dealt with an electrocution, a brain tumor, brain surgery.
1: Then doctors telling us that children were not in our future.
0: All right, Steph, I am uber excited for this next guest.
1: Okay, so I'm gonna be honest with you. When you showed me what this man does for a living, <laughs> I was instantly intrigued. In fact, we then went on, was it YouTube? Yes. To we did. W- watch everything this man does. Yes,
0: it's pretty cool. I it was, looks so fun. Oh
1: my gosh, I cannot <laughs> wait for listeners to hear about this.
0: So, friends, our next guest is the president of the company Fat Scooters. He will soon be a featured personality on the new reality TV show called Riding Fat, which will debut later this year on Crackle. And he is the pride of his hometown back in Johnstown, PA. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to Tell Us a Good Story, Mr. Derek Mains.
1: Welcome.
2: And and listen, we actually have a launch date now on the show. It is July 15th. It goes live. So we are just a few weeks away now from... The television show hit in the airs, which is pretty exciting. We're sort of working through the PR strategy around that and trying to get it all dialed in. But it, it has been a heck of a journey through COVID, producing oh, a television, uh, show. You know, it just I've never been through anything quite like that. But lots of stress. I did not have any gray hair until then. You know, I'm just kidding. Uh, for 29 years old, I look pretty good right now. Uh,
0: <laughs> right. I could not stop laughing, Derek, at the trailer when you're golfing. And
2: you drill the cameraman oh with the golf ball. Oh my gosh. I was they laughing so much. And I insisted it go back in, right? That was like, oh, I'm an executive so producer on the show. And I was like, absolutely, it has to be back in. And they were like, no, 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 we don't want. And I'm like, nope. Well, I want it in there. I'm it's like, so I, I have good. to have it in there because it shows that genuine sort of yes. you know, personality that you just don't get usually. In, in. Yes. People don't want that to be, you know, the, the the fact that I'm a golf hack. I'm okay with that. I'm, I'm, I'm totally fine.
0: And you can tell. Okay, that was not staged, right? You could not stage that. And then you ask the camera if he's okay, and like the camera goes up
2: and down. The best part about that is when he stood there, I actually said, I'm gonna probably hit you. And he laughed and he's like, no, you're playing great today. I've seen you play before, and other days I wouldn't stand here, but today I'm confident. Bam, hit him. And he had, I mean, it was very, very close to being- Where'd you hit him at? He was in the inner thigh. Hit him. Okay, so it was close. It was about three inches away from being a really bad. But it is sort of funny because he was on throughout the whole show, and uh, there's multiple other instances where it just sort of became this inside joke. He's like, "I still trust you, man." I'm like, "I don't know why, but you you shouldn't, but you do. It's okay."
0: Derek, I got to tell you, we get a lot of people that say, "Hey, you should talk to this person, or you should talk to this person." So I, I looked you up. Derek yeah. and I came across a video with you and your wife. Okay, oh, yeah. and you introduce yourself as president of Fat Scooters. Then your wife says, "I'm Tracy Ann. I'm president of Derek Maines." Ah! And I, I love her. I was in a coffee shop, Derek, and I busted out <laughs> laughing. I had my earphones on, and I literally ha ha out loud. I'm like, "Okay, this is a fun couple. I want to go talk to that guy." So then I, I,
2: actually, I refer to her as the governor. I always say, "Oh." And, and it's funny because sometimes people will be hearing and they'll say, oh, can you go to this event? I said, I got to check with the governor. They're like, what are you doing with the governor? Like, you know, it's my wife, the governor, not the actual governor uh, of Arizona. But yeah, she's he's the governor. She's the president of Derek Maynes. And, uh, and yep, I'm good with that.
0: Yes. So that got my attention. It was so funny. Okay. So for listeners, can you explain what is a fat scooter?
2: Yes. So a fat scooter is an electric vehicle that has a range of 30 to 50 miles. It's much bigger than your standard scooter that you're thinking of that your kids might have, or you might've seen out on the curb. These are about 150 pounds. These are a full size vehicle, a lot more size, more like a motorcycle and has tall handlebars is sort of our signature. So a lot of our riders ride stand up. A lot of them like to sit down. It just really depends. And these are completely customizable. So you can, you know, anything that you can really imagine we can we can try to make happen. I and mean, we've got a pretty good R&D department here from sidecars to golf carriers. We have over a hundred golf courses that allow these on the course as a golf cart. Um, you know, surfboard carriers, DJ booths, about 20% of our business is with liquor brands, which is quite odd for a vehicle. Really?
1: Company.
2: Yeah, but they use them for promotion. They either do text-to-win campaigns. Kona Brewing is a customer that does text-to-win campaigns almost weekly. Boston Beer and Truly do a ton of work. Tito's, Casamigos, uh, you, you name the liquor brand and, and they like to use it for promotion. And that might be at a concert, they're going around okay. and they're you know just playing music or whatever that might be. Or it could be that they're giving these things away in some sort of promotion to their customers. So it has become a little bit of a viral sensation. It's very unique. Uh, next week we'll be in Times Square with Universal Studios because it is the happy Gilmore 25th year anniversary of the movie... Uh, with Happy Gilmore and Adam Sandler, so we uh, designed four custom scooters for the four main characters: Shooter McGavin, Stubbs, you know Adam Sandler, and we designed yes. custom Happy Gilmore scooters, custom painted, custom designed, and then we've delivered those downtown New York City, and they'll be doing a, a photo shoot. I think it's oh. Thursday or Friday next week in Times Square. Uh, that's so fantastic. That's the just kind tap
1: of the- it in. Just just tap, tap it in, just tap it in. A
2: lot of it is, you know, I, w- I will tell you, it's one of these things that it's the first business I ever was really involved with, where you have to monitor your Instagram feed more than anything. Oh, gosh, uh, yeah. That That's how most people, it's a really weird situation. It's not via email. It's not via text. It is, you know, an NBA legend hitting me up on Instagram and saying, hey, man, you want to collaborate on something? I've got an opportunity here in a few weeks. I'm going to go to a private concert with Imagine Dragons and an NBA player invited me to. You know, so it's like he's like, "Hey, you should come out and hang
1: out." I'm like, "All right, cool." Okay, when it first started, and you started getting more of these celebrity clients, were you just like, "Okay, is this legit?" Like, is this a prank? Like, is this legit? What what do you think? Were you nervous about that?
2: I got involved with the company right after it started. The founders themselves actually had been athletes. One was an Olympian. One had played. He was in NCAA uh, football. Didn't make the NFL because of an injury, but. Those guys had some really deep connections already in with Olympic with athletes, and those kind of things. So, in that first batch that we brought in, which was June 22nd of 2017, that first batch, we had guys like Bill Murray that were customers that actually, you know, through connections, uh, bought one. We had guys like Pat Perez, which pro golfer, you know, we, we had four or five different pro golfers. We had a bunch of retired NBA guys. Uh, a lot of ESPN celebrities ended up buying them. And that was really that sort of catalyst, right? Because we were in 2,000 square feet uh, within 30 days of the 60 days of the time that we got that first batch. We moved to 5,000 square feet. 90 days later, moved to 14,000 square feet. And now we're in about 50,000 square feet here in Phoenix. So, yeah, it was it was pretty fast.
0: All right, Steph, i got a question for you. What's your favorite book of all time?
1: Uh, Obviously, You Met Her Where. Oh, I
0: thought you were going to say the Bible. Oh, oops. (laughs) What's your second favorite book of all time?
1: You Met Her Where?
0: (laughs) (laughs) A distant second. Totally distant. It's a pretty good book.
1: Sorry, God. It's still a
0: pretty pretty good book. But we're so excited. Where can people get our book, honey?
1: Okay, I know this uh amazon.com yes barnes noble yes and and our website kevinstuff.com and, and, and
0: what happens if they buy it off our website <gasps> uh, what do they get
1: uh an autograph from us yes who wouldn't want that
0: so listeners if you've already read the book thank you so much we've had such good feedback one thing that helps us if you can give us a review on amazon.com we would greatly appreciate it thank you so much and thank you for listening
1: Okay, I want to know. I want to go. I want to go. Okay. Okay. I want to know what your favorite custom scooter you've ever done is.
2: Um, Russell Wilson from the Seattle Seahawks did a really good job. He custom designed some for his offense uh, for Christmas last year. And he did these huge stand-up handlebars. I mean, they're like nothing we've ever done before. Those are pretty cool. Um, Bill Murray's is pretty cool, too. He's got a Chicago Cubs one that's, that's pimped out pretty well right now. So it, it's hard to pick. Every day I, I find a new favorite.
1: Do you have to custom to their – I want to go again. Do you have to custom to the person's height? Because some of these guys are huge. So do you have to get like weight, Like an
0: offensive lineman.
1: Yes. Yes.
2: So that's the great thing about fat scooters. Because this is a commercial-grade product with a 440-pound weight limit. But I've had guys that are bigger than 440 pounds ride on them. Oh, my. We can customize the handlebars. And we have done that for a lot of customers in the past. I think what we tend to find is there's supposedly a TV show that Shaq is in right now, riding one uh, down in New Orleans. Somebody lent him one for the day, and he was on this TV show. So I mean, it's sort of surprising those guys can can manage pretty well in these because it is it, it's not something you have to put your leg over. It's a step through design, and because of that, you know you can push your knees out to the side and sort of you know get on it like Harley, and it works out really, really well. You know, speaking of Harley's in that in that genre as well, it's interesting how many of the top bike builders in the world actually have fat scooters and build on the fat scooter platform. Guys like Orange County Choppers, if you go through their Instagram feed, you will find them cruising around on custom fat scooters around the
0: shop. Um,
2: Paul Yaffe, another very, very famous bike builder. I was over at his shop the other day and and he told me, he's like, I got five of these, man. He's like, I like them. He's like, if I'm not on that big loud bike, I want to be on something like this. It's it's quiet. I can take the grandkids. You know, I can run to the grocery store. I don't have to wake the neighbors. I don't have to, you know, scare off all the wildlife. Uh, you know, it just cruise and, <laughs> and go do what you got to get done. So That's
0: these... Awesome electric scooters, they go up to what, 20, 25 miles an hour? Is that right? So we
2: limit all of our scooters to 20 miles an hour. And there's a reason for that. There are other manufacturers that go higher than that. What we have just found from a legal perspective is in all 50 states, you can go 20 miles an hour in a bike lane without getting a ticket. So these are not registered Insured, licensed vehicles. These are actually considered an e-bike, and because of that, we want to qualify to allow people to ride in the bike lane and on sidewalks and around their neighborhood, and to not have to worry about a driver's license and all those kind of things. So we do manage it at twenty miles an hour.
0: How would you recommend for a driver to be then?
2: I think it's one of those things where you you got to really decide. I have lots of people uh, who their eight year old kids ride these things to school. I, I don't no way. know when I when I was eight, I might have been able to, but I, I mean it is it's a little bit. You know, it's 150 pounds. You've got to man- be able to manage a pretty good sized vehicle there. And I think it just really depends on the kid. My contractor, his kids all go to school on him every day. And uh, they're, you know, eight, nine, 10 years old, and they, they manage them pretty well.
1: What is your favorite story of somebody gifting one of these scooters to someone?
2: Oh, that's good. That's a really good. You know what? I think it's actually one of the stories that's in the show. And that is Dominique Wilkins, who's the human highlight film, one of the greatest NBA players of all times, reached out to me one day and he just said, look, I've got uh, he's like, I've got a daughter with autism. I've got another daughter that has cerebral palsy. And he became the chairman of a charity that was working with over 200 sports facilities to create these sort of private rooms for people that have sensory issues. And he reached out to me and was like, hey, look, would this be something you might be interested in donating to my foundation? Because I'd like to auction it off for charity and I can get it signed by players and do all sorts of things. So those are the kind of stories that I really like because it isn't somebody reaching out to like get one for themselves, but it's somebody that's reaching out to get one because they want to help another organization. And we found uh, when we do live auctions, you know, these things end up Auction off for ten or fifteen thousand dollars, and that's just a great way to get people excited about uh, a charity or an event, and bring some notoriety to us, but also to, to you know to, to show how we can participate and help in helping the community as well.
0: So, Steph, can you imagine back when we were in college? Mm-hmm. Let's say we're at Ohio state. Yes. And you know how big that campus is. Uh-huh. Can you I imagine? It's
2: Ohio State, isn't it? Isn't it? Oh, oh, yes, I was going to
1: correct him. I was going to correct him. Well done, Derek. You can tell neither well one
0: of us graduated one of your from five it. five mistakes
2: you're permitted <laughs> to make in this stuff.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but, Steph, can you imagine with how big that campus is, mm-hmm. having a pet scooter? how efficient it would be to navigate through campus class to class, going to work or whatever. That would be
2: so helpful. Do
1: you know how many locks I would have on that bike rack with that fat scooter? Uh, 10, I would just keep yes. locking, oh, yeah. and locking it, locking yeah. it. Like, Oh, so, so-
2: you know, because all of our technology is proprietary, we catch almost every theft that happens uh, unless the thief destroys it and just abandons it. We usually catch it and and I'll give you a little trade secret. What happens is this. Somebody steals one and they don't have the keys and they don't have a charger. So they call us and they want to buy a keys and a charger. So we will happily send somebody to their house to, uh, to take care of that. And that is usually a police officer. You know, these things are not real smart. I mean, they're like, oh, we're like, oh, yeah, we'll get that. Free. We'll send it right over. Can you give us your address? And what time will you be there? And what's the best number to reach? And they just give us all the information. And then we call the local PD and say, hey, could you go pick up? Right. Your it's registered, to, you know, to Joe down the street. And it's been stolen by this person. And it's at this location. And that works out really, really well. <laughs> That's that's true, because you can't do anything. That is
1: amazing. That is so
2: true. All of our parts are proprietary. So because of that, all of our chargers and keys and everything, the only way is to go through us. That's you know that that helps our our owners a lot, right? Because they rarely does one get stolen that we don't recover.
1: Oh, that's brilliant.
2: Okay,
0: so I have so many follow up questions here rolling around my head, Derek, for what you just said. So first up, you just mentioned a plethora of celebrities for like yeah. bill murray and i saw that on one of the trailers what was bill murray like right when you're giving him his fat scooter
2: such a nice guy i've met bill multiple times he's just a really great guy very genuine very sincere i think he's like anybody you know he, he'd like to be a regular guy a little bit more often you know where oh, I, mean, I bet he's sort of like you know always swarming him every place uh, that he's at but for the most part, I have to tell you, almost every celebrity that we've ever worked with is just really a genuinely good person. And you can see why they've attained the you know the position that they have because they do really care about people.
0: Steph, I saw a really cool photo of Derek with Blake Shelton. Oh, yeah. On mm. his Instagram page.
1: I love Blake Shelton. Yeah, very he, cool. He's like, to me, one of the...
2: Down-to-earth.
1: Down-to-earth just... Country boy. I love that.
2: Absolutely. No. And Blake is a really great guy. He's got, he's got a, a cool pimped out scooter. It was one of the first ones we did custom upholstery on for Blake. So that actually triggered a lot of other folks to uh, get interested in that guys like Michael Waltrip and others who are friends of his, but, you know, we've done a lot of country. We've done a lot of musicians in general, Uh, you know, country music artists. I mean, everybody from Darius Rucker to Dan Plushay to a rascal flats all use these on tour. So, you know, it's, um, it, it's cool. And, and the great thing about those communities, you know, the NFL community, the NBA community, the pit crews at NASCAR is when someone brings something different,
1: a new toy, right? A new you toy. Have <laughs> it, right? Yes. it
2: worked out exceptionally well for us. You know, it's, it, and I don't know what it is. It's about the NFL and the NBA, but if I post somebody from the NFL, or I guarantee you tomorrow when we do the Suns delivery, I will have 15 GMs from NBA teams and 40 players that are all reaching out going, hey, bro, what's going on? How can you know, what, what are we do you know, these things? And uh, it does help the fact that we, that we do charge, right? I mean, we do charge these players for stuff. I mean, they can afford it. If they want one, they can get it. So that helps too, because you don't very often get the handout ones, right? Where they're like, hey, what can I get for free? But for the most part, Uh, These are customers and they just, you know, Blake's a great example. Uh, His best friend is one of my best friends. And it was actually a gift from his best friend for him. And, uh, you know, just just cool stuff. And and he was so such a nice guy. We literally pulled up around back. He came out of the bus. We hung out for a little bit. We had a drink. We rode scooters. And uh, I'm like, okay, well, we're going to head out. And he's like, oh, no, just come on. Let's go. Let's go to the concert. You know, really? like, I got to go hang out and get some food and have some drinks. And so it was, it was sort of a surprise. My wife is a huge Blake Shelton fan.
0: Our producer, Craig Clawson, apparently went to high school with you in Johnstown, PA. Okay. You are the second person now that we have spoken to from Johnstown, Pennsylvania. First was Mike Owens.
2: Oh, yeah. Who, I know Mike very well. I went to high school with Mike, too.
0: Yes. Yeah. Who won a uh, yeah. Emmy and Emmy. an Oscar. Oscar as well. And yeah. so he talked about that experience. So I don't know if there's something in the water. I stuff.
1: know. Maybe we should bring our children. Maybe. Yeah. To this, to 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 this town. To, like, yes. Well, I always
2: say about Johnstown, it's a great place to be from. Johnstown. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but here's the funny thing. In the, in the reality show here at Fat Scooters, about 50 employees here. Three employees here are from Johnstown, Pennsylvania. One I knew I went to high school with, John Trapjack, who was also a friend of Craig's and Mike's. The other one, our head engineer, who is featured in like three episodes, major character in the show. I was on vacation. I came back and I saw his resume laying there to put into the system. And I saw his last name. His last name was Mahalco. And I said, that kid's from, from Johnstown, Pennsylvania. And they were like, what are you talking about? No, this guy's moving from someplace in Pennsylvania, but it's not Johnstown. I'm like, no, he's from Johnstown. And I said, and he's actually from the Wimber neighborhood. And everybody laughed at me. And the day he showed up, I looked at him and I said, you're from Wimber, aren't you? He's like, oh my God, how did you know that? And because that, I know all of his cousins, all of, you know, but it just, what a small world, right? That uh, I guess Johnstown produces some good characters.
0: I guess, I guess they do. Unbelievable. Yes, small world. So we always give a list of fun facts with our guests, Derek. So if you don't mind, I want to take a moment to brag on you. Okay. And if I miss something, feel free to chime in. Okay. So Steph, in addition to being on a soon to be released reality show, mm-hmm. Derek is known as the dog father. He now lives in Tempe, Arizona with his wife, Tracy Ann.
2: So I'm, it's funny. You mentioned the dog father thing. So I've got to tell you, I, I'm truly the dog father and I'm I'm looking up my TikTok account right now because... We have two dogs. One is a tripod. He's missing a leg. He lost the cancer. His latest video that published on Monday currently has 4.1 million views uh, on his <laughs> oh video. On but he's got some five millions out there. I mean, he is the most TikTok famous dog. He, the funny thing is, is his, uh, his trainer posts videos. Of, look at this. This is super slow-mo video of this crazy <laughs> oh, dog. Right? slobbered. But, yeah. So, I mean, it is very true. I'm the dog father, but I'm the dog father to Spicoli, who is much more famous than anybody uh, that we sell scooters to. I mean, he's got <laughs> millions of followers. He's a very, very famous boy.
0: That is so That's funny. funny. So, Derek started his very first company at the age of 13.
1: What? 13. 13. What was he? Landscaping. Mowing.
2: Landscaping. Yeah.
1: Landscaping. I,
2: actually, I, I had a neighbor who owned a landscaping company, and I did uh, work for him from the time I was like 11 and 12 in the summers. And then he decided to retire. And I started taking accounts off him at 13. And uh, the challenge was I couldn't couldn't drive a truck. So I only had to hire kids from the high school that actually had trucks. That's how we managed it the first couple of years was by uh, either my mom would drop us off places or we would hire other kids that had trucks and have them work.
1: So you had this entrepreneur spirit at such a young age. Can you
0: imagine taking orders from a 13-year-old?
1: No. Like, did people <laughs> thinking you were legit or was it because you were associated with this previous owner that...
2: Yeah, I think that was that was really helpful. Is You know, uh-huh. most of his customers I had worked with for a year or so beforehand, they had seen me there. I had been handling their accounts. And essentially, I just negotiated with a guy and said, look, he was getting older. He was in his 70s. He wanted to try to, to work out of the business. So I just said, hey, look, I'll pay you a percentage of all that we make. On the accounts that you send to us for uh, i think it was a year so we gave him like 10 of the take right we kept charging his same rates which was great because we were able to use his established rates instead of having to cut you know go cheaper and then we just cut him a check and then he just kept handing us off more and more and more business until he eventually retired uh, about what 30. you are brilliant what 13 year old does I, that I just wanted money you know i'm <laughs> here to make money and And uh, there wasn't any chores to do around the house, so I had to go do them for other people.
1: That's amazing. So,
0: Steph, as you can tell already, he's a gifted entrepreneur. Yes. And seasoned executive. Derek has been the founder, CEO, COO, investor, and advisor for over 150 companies during his career.
2: Yeah. So, I have done a lot of – a lot of that was workshop work where I was, like, doing – I've written three books mostly on lean management, and I do a lot of workshops. I haven't in the last year or so because of COVID – but yeah, I just working with a lot of customers that send their managers to my management training. And then I teach them how to uh, you know, maximize the efficiency and, and lean out their company and send their folks back trained so that they can do that.
0: Okay. Going along the lines, can you give Steph a story? Because I've heard a few of them in my research, Derek. And you have some fantastic stories about going into a company and looking into, say, the labor model or the labor cost savings and what you did from an experiment standpoint to look at productivity. could you Can you share a story that you've done in the past with one of these companies? Yeah.
2: So I'll give you a good example. A company here uh, locally that I've done a lot of work with, and I could certainly give you lots of fat scooter stories too. But what we did is we, we took... They had a 50,000 square foot facility, and we essentially made a map of that entire thing. And then we put Fitbits on all of the people and we tracked all the steps that they walked on a daily basis. And then we uh, made a map and we spaghetti diagram where everybody in the facility walk all day long. Where do they go back and forth between? And everybody had their own color. Right. So, you know, Bob was red and we would have somebody follow him around the whole facility and see all the places that he went, and all the things that he did. And then we reorganized the entire business based upon efficiency. So we found that the average employee was walking 27,000 steps a day. Oh my gosh. And, uh, we got that down to 1500. And, and the reason was, was that they were relatively inefficient in their setup, right? They had never truly played defense and actually sat down and looked at the overall business and said, why do we keep this machine over on this side of the floor when the operators, the only people that are trained to operate it are over here. Why do we have this machine in the center when it should be over here, and we we essentially played a little bit of a you know a game with all the employees. We we created this huge big whiteboard, and we made little magnets out of every piece of equipment, including every broom and you know everything that was on the floor, every garbage can. And then we we played these games where we would redesign the floor, and then we would uh, imagine where we would have to walk to do those things. On our floor here, we actually don't allow on our fabrication floor once it once a person is in their bay and doing and building. They're not permitted to leave that bay unless it's a break. Now that isn't being a jerk. It's just saying if you have to leave for some reason, that's inefficient. So let a manager know so that we can try to fix it next time to make sure that you don't have to leave. You know those parts are there, or that artwork is there, or whatever whatever you need is right there, uh, and you can just turn around and grab it instead of having to go find.
0: Hey, Derek, wasn't there some story regarding like a bathroom? There was an issue with the bathroom and people peeing all over the floor or something,
2: and. left in my book. Right. Yeah. So that's a great example of how you can really take, you know, we had a, we had a company that we worked with that had uh, a lot of issues. People didn't really care to be there. It was not a great work environment. And one of the really clear signs of that was in the men's lavatory that the guys would miss a lot. Right. And the janitors would end up constantly cleaning up this mess. And, you know, it was part of their job, of course. And you could say, yeah, that's part of your job. Just get it done. Right. But but it was really frustrating, and it, and it caused a lot of tension uh, between the janitorial staff. Uh, so, so we actually went in and, uh, and had bullseye urinal cakes made and put those in there and essentially gamified taking a leak. And uh, immediately had a huge improvement in that. But it, but it was also about, it wasn't just about the visibility of that urinal cake, but it was also about having a meeting in front of the whole company and saying, hey, look, guys, this is an actual problem right we've identified this as a problem it affects somebody here yeah it might be our janitor right but it affects somebody here let's take a little bit more pride in the work that we do and let's let's you know take a little bit better aim uh when we're when we're using the restroom so that's so funny that is so funny i mean Steph. it's
1: actually brilliant for you know men are men but to make a game out of it, like, okay, if we make a game, and guys are like, it's on, let's <laughs> like, do this. Right?
2: Competition. Yes. I mean, so many times we're not paying attention, right? It's like, we're, but but that forces us to pay attention.
0: Right. right. So back to the list stuff. So like he said, he's written three books mm-hmm. regarding management. He was the host of Triple Bottom Line Radio Show. On his LinkedIn profile, he lists the title of Lego Serious Play Facilitator. Yeah. What is that? I hope it's what I I hope it it sounds
2: like. Lego has a program, a corporate program, where you can get certified in using a specific Lego material to help train and identify problems inside companies. So I've been trained in that that method and, and used to do a lot of workshops around it, haven't in a while because of. You know, fat scooters has sort of taken off. When you've got to build with your hands, I'm a type A personality. I I suck at Lego. I can't do it. I I can't get my thoughts to form into something. But you take an engineer and who never says two words in the meeting and you hand them Legos and you say, build a model of what this process looks like, or build a model of what you think, you know, trust looks like in this organization. That's just cake for them. So you you level this playing field. You take the type A personalities and you bring them down to a level where they're uncomfortable and you take all of the folks who are a little bit more active with their hands and you raise them and elevate them to being the people who are doing the most talking in the meeting. And that is really valuable because it brings out ideas that you'd never get any other way.
0: Oh, that's really that's good.
1: That's brilliant. So
0: then my final fun fact of Derek here is, like myself,
2: he grew up a pastor's kid. I did. What? With a PK, yes. Actually, yes, PK. yeah, yeah, PK. I don't know if that's a good or a bad thing. Uh, I don't know either. There's,
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there's two extremes. There's no middle when it comes to PK, right? You've got yeah. brilliant like yourself, Derek, and then you've got like
1: socially awkward, right? right. Totally. Like, <laughs> well, you were socially I awkward. Social awkward. You were social- I was thinking about you. So. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Thank you. Stop on the other extreme.
2: <laughs> but did you go to business school? I did not. I actually did not. Did yeah, I just read a bunch of books and sort of figured it out on my own. But no, I never went to business school. I, I went to ministry school for like uh, two semesters, and that was pretty much the extent of my formal education.
0: And I love this because with me, we've had this conversation stuff. Yeah. So with me being a CPA, having a finance background, getting my MBA, I am very passionate. I'm very concerned that the education in college is vastly overrated because you look at a guy like Derek, mm-hmm. this man started his first business as a teenager. Mm-hmm. And the principles and the concepts that he learned just navigating things, dealing with older people he's got to deal with, figuring out, okay, who's gonna drive skills. the so who's gonna drive skills. the truck, yeah. right? Because they did not even drive that. Yeah. The things you learn, just doing that, is so much more beneficial than sitting in a Western civilization class, right? And getting yeah. your bachelor's degree. So I wanna ask you for kids coming out of school. What would you recommend to someone who is looking at their options coming out of school?
2: So let me me tell you a story. I know this is all about stories. So I had a mentor when I was about 28 years old. I had sort of a, a real change point sort of in my career trajectory when I was in my late 20s. And a lot of that had to do with I think, elevating sort of my profile more to become an executive and less in the sort of sales and marketing side of businesses. And a a lot of it came from a single story that was told to me by my mentor. My mentor was a guy, a Texas billionaire, but I I met him, did not know he was a billionaire. He invited me to hang out and get dinner. I was like, oh man, I I just can't. Uh, I I took his card. I happened to open the Wall Street Journal on the plane back the next day, saw him on the front page of the Wall Street Journal and went, I, I called him out of blue and said, hey, I'm going to happen to be in Dallas next week on Wednesday. Are you around? And he was like, yeah, I'm going to be around. You want to get lunch? I said, yeah, sure. Then I booked a trip to Dallas I was like, you know, and kept, kept going back for months. I just kept flying to, to, to Dallas every couple of weeks and having lunch with him. But one of the stories he told me that I thought was really fascinating. He uh, was not a proponent of higher education. He did go to school and his kids went to school, but he felt that from his background and experience, the most successful entrepreneurs did not go to school. And he felt that it wasn't a benefit to their resume. It was actually a challenge trying to overcome that. But one of the stories he used to tell was he said, look, there is something that a lot of extremely wealthy and successful people know that other people don't. And it's a method called PIE. And PIE stands for three things, performance, image, and exposure. And in the early 1970s, there was a researcher that went out and started doing research on very, very successful business owners, world leaders, et cetera. And he said to them, tell me the three things that you believe made you a success. And these were the three things, performance, ability to do the job, your image, and then your exposure. And he thought that was really fascinating. And he started going out and teaching this idea that if you're going to invest in yourself, You need to be able to perform and do the job. You need to have the right image in the marketplace and you need to be exposed to the right people. I believe it was a big car executive that called him after hearing one of his speeches on this and said, I think you got it wrong. Go back and ask those same people how much they would rate each of those things, performance, image, and exposure. What percentage of it? What percentage is performance? What percentage is image? What percentage is exposure? He did that and he found that of all of these successful people, They said that only 10% of the reason they were a success is their ability to do the job. 30% was their image and 60% was their exposure. So 90% of the reason the most successful people in the world felt they were successful had nothing to do with their skill set and knowledge. It had to do with not what they know, but who who they know. And that is a lesson that he told me, look, every Ivy League university teaches this, every super wealthy person teaches this to their kids, it's, yes, develop your skill set, but spend just as much, if not more time, developing relationships, creating an image for yourself, you know, making sure that you're in the right places, going to the right cocktail meetings, going to the right dinners, all of the stuff that you do outside of work that is going to develop into those relationships. And it's why I still hold in a mixer once a month for 150 executives that we all get together, we all have a cocktail, we all share stories. Why? Because I need that image and exposure, right? I have an image in that marketplace and I'm exposed to hundreds of executives all the time, which just creates opportunity after opportunity after opportunity. So even if I was just mediocre at my job, I still could be a success because of all those other things. So those are the things I would say. The regret that I have in not going to college has nothing to do with education. It has to do with the alumni, right?
0: Mm-hmm.
2: I have seen this happen multiple times where the alumni of that college is really the reason you should have went there, right? Uh, Ohio State is a great one. I, I can probably name a half a dozen folks that I know that went to Ohio State. Why? Do you know how somebody went to Ohio State? Because they will tell you they went to Ohio <laughs> State. But There's a reason for that, right? You can still be really dumb and go to Ohio State, but- Somebody will say, well, that, yeah, but that guy's yeah, he's part of the alumni. So building those relationships, I think, is the most important. Maintaining a really good LinkedIn, reaching out to people, asking what you can do for them. That's super important. And it's much more important than your ability to do the job.
1: That's incredible. So let me ask you this. When you have somebody who's trying to get into fat scooters and they send you your res- their resume, what are you looking at? Are you looking at the education? Are you looking where they worked previously? What are you looking at?
2: First thing that I always look for before I hire anybody is I don't look at the resume at all. I go to their LinkedIn and I look at who they know and then I look at who's recommended them. That's the Mm -hmm. only thing
0: here.
2: Because if somebody's willing to put their name on the line and say, hey, look, this is a great person and she's got great skills and she's done a great job here before. To me, that's way more important than where they went to score, where they worked at. Uh, most of the people that work here at Fat Scooters actually have come from personal relationships. I think That's the so job good. Hunt, the traditional job hunt's really difficult, right? It's, it's, too, it's too laborious, um, but it's about relationships. That's, that to me is where it's all about. It's about you know, developing those relationships and creating that sort of network. And again, going back to this pie system, 90% of the reason these people are a success are because of who they know. You can look at, at pop musicians if you want to use that. I, I was a blues musician for, for about five years. I have met women singing in, in in a little dive bar in in Louisiana that are way better than anybody on the pop charts today, but they don't have the image and they don't have the exposure. Right? Mm. Performance wise, oh my God. Right. Way the charts. Better than anybody that's out there, but they don't have the image and they don't have the exposure. And that's why you see pop musicians like a Lady Gaga or a Britney Spears or whoever it was. They do these outrageous things. Why do they do them? Well, they don't do it because of the performance, they do it because of the exposure. Right. <laughs> they just need to be relevant. They need to get to the top of the charts. They have to push that limit all the time. And by increasing their exposure, they increase their value in the marketplace. Gosh. Oh, it's well, so how,
0: good. How many amazing musicians, singers do you see every Sunday morning at a church out in Iowa City, right? Or Des Moines. I mean, there's so many incredible musicians in Nashville, but they've never, they don't have the connections, they haven't had the exposure. That is a, a very good point. Very mm-hmm. good point. Well, listeners, for more information about Derek, you can go to his Instagram page at Fat Prez or his Facebook page, Derek.Mains. Also, make sure you check out their website, fatscooters.com. And we will put all these connections in the show notes for this episode. Well, Derek, thank you so very much. much. This was amazing. So
1: much fun. I loved it. This was
2: really fun. Thank you both for having me. I'd love to come back anytime. You need a guest, let me know. We've got oh. a lot of other stuff that I can talk about, and um, yeah, and make sure you tune into the TV show too. Right, Crackle July, uh, obviously, three. yes. All six episodes. Crackle is a completely free platform, so you can watch the show totally free, and it's a good time. I mean, it's it, we're excited about it. So I'd invite everybody to make sure you check it out.
0: Friends, we want to encourage you to please follow us wherever you listen to this, whether it's on the Apple Podcast app, iHeartRadio, Spotify or one of the other platforms.
1: It's completely free, you guys. This helps us out big time with the folks who track this stuff.
0: If you haven't already, we want to encourage you to please rate or even write us a review on Apple Podcast. We need as many as we possibly can, even if it's just one sentence.
1: Thank you for listening, you guys, and sharing us with your friends.